Welcome to the Focus on Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Preston. And I'm Jason. Jason, today we had a really cool interview with a guy named Dr. Brad Theta. Yeah, I thought it was interesting also, Preston. He's a popcorn breeder and director of sales at Weaver Popcorn Hybrids, which is a company in Indiana that produces a lot of the popcorn seeds that are grown across the U.S. Absolutely. I guess full disclosure, this podcast may make you hungry, so consider throwing a bag of popcorn in the microwave. And uh, with that, we'll get right into the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. To kick things off here this morning, would you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you currently do? Sure. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to talk about popcorn. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I, I guess that gives a little bit away. So I'm, I, am, uh, I work for Weaver Popcorn Hybrids. I am a commercial breeder and also our director of sales. And so I, I largely focus on domestic sales and then I get to keep my foot in, in breeding because that's kind of my background and my, uh, my passion as well. I grew up in North Central Indiana, uh, a small town called Crawfordsville. Grew up in the agriculture uh, side of things. I, I technically grew up in the city, uh, but I went to a country school and surrounded by uh, all my friends were farmers. Uh, my dad was in agriculture as well. And so I uh, always had kind of that background and that interest. Um, went to Indiana Wesleyan for my undergrad, got my uh, bachelor's in biochemistry. I wanted to stay more on the science side and never really, uh, I think that more out of stubbornness than anything else. I didn't want to follow in my, my dad's footsteps. Uh, nothing, nothing wrong with the career he chose, just I think stubbornness on my side. And eventually... <laughs> Um, I bounced around to a number of different jobs kind of after that and uh, didn't really find something that fit until eventually I kind of realized that that merging of kind of science and uh, agriculture is really the best fit for me. And so then I went to uh, Purdue, uh, got my PhD in plant breeding and genetics. Uh, really good experience there. I enjoyed that a lot <clears throat> and uh, really seemed to be that that good uh, merge of, of my interests and my passions and, and skill sets. So uh, glad I went that route. Uh, right out of there, I got hired by Weaver Popcorn as a plant breeder. And this will kind of get into our, our company's history as well. So at the, at the time, uh, Weaver Popcorn uh, really uh, was involved in every stage of the, of the life of popcorn. So we have a breeding program, uh, seed production, and then <clears throat> the processing side of the companies where they, they're contracting out with different farmers uh, to grow the popcorn crop across uh, East Central Midwest here. And then uh, they process that grain, which I say process, it, it, it's not a processed food, if you will, but to clean, uh, clean any uh, field material out and condition it to the uh, right moisture and make sure that it has a good ability to pop. Uh, popcorn can be pretty sensitive that way. So you have to know what you're doing. But once they do that, it can either go into bulk bags to be able to, to export or to ship to movie theaters. You have different types going into microwave pouches. Sometimes it's pre-popped things. And so Weaver was really involved from, from start to finish. And uh, a couple of years ago, decided to make the transition to, to split the company into multiple. And really what that allowed us to do is that our company now, Weaver Popcorn Hybrids, is just breeding and seed production. And we can make the decisions that are best for our group that uh, allow us to, to offer the best quality product to our customers. 
But part of that um, meant that we've only ever used our seeds proprietarily with, with our, our now sister company, but being separate allows us to uh, really sell those on the open market to not just our sister company, but to uh, other people in the US and around the world. And so <laughs> with part of that ended up being, hey, uh, well, now we need a sales department to be able to sell our seed. And they asked me to step over to do that. And that was uh, something I was a little bit hesitant to do because I, I was very much on the, the science side and breeding. I just got my PhD and uh, I ended up giving it a shot. And I'm real excited I did because I really enjoy it. I love talking with farmers and people in the ag industry. Um, and I really believe in our product. And so over the last couple of years, I've been shifting over to the, the sales side and it's been a lot of fun. Well, that's interesting. Um, a lot, a lot of breeders they won't let them get anywhere near sales, right? So, <laughs> you're a I'm, unique I'm individual. In yeah, yeah. Bre- breeders are a little bit unique. Um, <laughs> can be eccentric at sometimes, and uh, I, I, I'm a unique portion of the the breeding industry. I'd say where I, I like to be in front of uh, people. Most most breeders, I'd say, like to be in front of the plants a little bit more. Um, I, I like I like plants and people equally. So uh. <laughs> you don't discriminate. I don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell us a little bit more about about Weaver Hybrid. So the company's been around for quite a while, right? How did they get started? Yeah. So the company was founded in 1928 by Reverend Ira Weaver. He was from North Central Indiana and wanted to create his own popcorn company, um, and that carried over down to to his son Welcome Weaver. And then Mike, his son, and Will, his son. And so now we're on a fourth generation of a family, still family-owned company. And uh, they've, like I said, been a, a player in the industry since 1928, started off very small. And uh, they're a very large player at, at this point. So it's been uh, an over 90-year history and always been pushing, having a really good quality product. And so that's something that they, they've always uh, stood behind, uh, always been non-GMO, um, even throughout the, the change of that history. Uh, the big shift came about 40 years ago in 1979, uh, where they started their own breeding program. And so uh, we, we've been breeding for 41 years, although now as, as we're split off, we're kind of like a startup, but we're an established startup, if you will, um, with the, the changes that, that's been in the last few years. So Brad, you mentioned that uh, you're now able to market to not only your sister company, but to others also. So obviously you probably market your seed to big popcorn producers, um, which I think maybe we'll get into a little bit about popcorn production, but could home gardeners also buy your seed or is it not available at that level? Uh, so we, it, not quite home gardeners at, at this point. So uh, current, currently our, the smallest side that we, size that we sell at is a bag, uh, which for us is about 140,000 kernels. Yeah, that'd take a while um, so, for a home gardener to use that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so the people that are interested in, in growing some to even sell on kind of like a farmer's market basis, uh, that would be about the size that would be starting to work with us. Um, we're not quite to the garden level stage. Like I said, we're uh, uh, kind of a startup and, and I think we'll get there, but we're not there yet. So that, that's kind of the, the size we go from there to the largest in the industry. So if you want one bag if you're, or if you want uh, container, uh, semi-containers full of seed, uh, we can help you out there. Interesting. Brad, I wanted to kind of ask you about the history of popcorn. I mean, a lot of consumers out there may not be able to delineate between, you know, field corn, sweet corn, popcorn. I was kind of curious if you could describe the different types of corn and then maybe talk about the history of when popcorn was developed. Sure. 
Yeah, so it, it depends <clears throat> on who you talk to on, on how many different types of corn uh, <laughs> that, that there are out there, right? You have our, our typical dent corn, uh, field corn, that's, that's going to be in the U.S. probably about 99% of the, the corn production. Um, and then next down after that, you have sweet corn, which is somewhere um, in the lines of about three-tenths, uh, to my understanding. I, hopefully, I'm not wrong on that, but uh, of a percent, three-tenths of a percent of the co total corn grown in the U.S. And then you have popcorn, which is about half again of, of that. So about 0.15% of the, of the corn grown in the U.S. is going to be popcorn. Um, you have other types of corn. I'm sure you guys have heard of waxy corn and flower corn mm -hmm. and, and flint corn. Depending on, on how you categorize things, sometimes they can fit into some of those other kind of categories. But popcorn itself has been very distinct for, for a long period of time. So there's evidence, uh, depending on what source you go to, um, you, you can see evidence at least 4,000 years ago, uh, if not further back. Um, I know I've seen uh, some people say that the first popcorn, first evidence of popcorn is about 4,000 years ago uh, in a cave, in a bat cave, I think, in New Mexico. And then some other evidence that it's as early as 3600 BC in, in Mexico. So somewhere in the Mexico, New Mexico area um, is, is probably where popcorn got its start. And uh, corn in general, maize as a uh, species, uh, generally originated from kind of that Central America area. And so it doesn't surprise that the origination of, of popcorn is going to be not far from there. The distinct and separate thing about popcorn is you can't just take normal corn driving down the road you stop at a field uh, you can't take one of those and pop it <clears throat> unless you're happening to to drive by one of the 0.15 percent fields in the u.s uh, that, that are growing it right uh, but popcorn is, is a different type of variety if you will it's, it's still the same species of, of dent corn uh, but it's a different variety within that uh, that are subspecies uh, that has a very hard endosperm. So that starch that's inside is a different kind of starch, it's packed differently. Um, and it, it allows it to uh, build up the pressure that's on the inside. Uh, so there's a little bit of moisture, usually about 14% moisture is what we get it down to, to be able to pop it. Um, and, and that hard pericarp on the outside and the right type of starch on the inside together combine to allow it to pop. Um, and people knew that from a very early early on, um, but the the reason it's been able to to stay separate and distinct over thousands of years is that there's actually uh, some genetic sterility uh, system, and so uh, you can't take a, a a dent corn some dent corn pollen and put it on popcorn to pollinate it. Uh, that's not going to work. It's actually uh, sterile to to being pollinated by dent corn. And so what that allows it to do is, is it stays, it's its own kind of separate germplasm, its own hmm. uh, separate genetic pool that it doesn't cross over with dent corn. And so that allows it to stay pure and allow it to still pop generation to generation, how it's been able to last for thousands of years without being contaminated by dent corn. So that, that's kind of how popcorn got its start. And then I, I would say it's been pretty normal and, and, and there's not been huge changes until around uh, the 1930s when I think it was 1934 was the first popcorn hybrid cross, um, which is around the same time uh, that you see the first dent corn uh, cross. So before that, you know, you have a lot of open pollinated varieties and then originally, and then they found out that if you, if you uh, create inbreds from those lines, 
uh, and you cross them, that it makes a better crop, right? And so the, the farmers are going to get a more consistent crop. Uh, they're going to get better yielding crops, and that allows them to, to harvest with a combine, everything at the same time, as opposed to going in and harvesting by hand. Around the same time that that was happening with dent corn, it was happening with popcorn. And so you, you see uh, big yield jumps with popcorn happening around the 1930s, and then that carries through to, to the current era. So Brad, you mentioned that there's some sterility issues where you can't cross dent corn with popcorn. Do you know how many genes or, you know, how similar is popcorn to field corn genetically? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't have a percentage for you. They're, they are pretty similar, right? So you can take, I, I said it's a, it's a, there's a sterility system. That's actually only one way. Uh, so dent corn can't pollinate popcorn, but, pollinate, but popcorn can pollinate dent corn. Um, Interesting. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so th there's mainly one gene that controls that. It's called GA1S. There's, there's different versions of that gene and different strengths of that gene, if you will, to where it, it's kind of more of a spectrum than it is an on and an off, but it's generally controlled by one gene. And we try to select for that very strong pressure, presence because we don't want any of our crops being pollinated by dent corn because it'll lose its popping ability in the field if it gets pollinated that way. You were mentioning like the history of popcorn and you, we kind of got to the 1930s. I was kind of curious, you get into the hybridization of popcorn. Is there like a yield trend where yields have increased significantly since then? Um, from a yield perspective, how has popcorn yield changed over time? Or have there been any other main, major changes since the 1930s? I feel like there hasn't been like a, a jump as much like, like you, you've seen in popcorn. And I know with, with dent corn, there's been a, a pretty quick rise in yields ever since 1930s, uh, 1940s, uh, because of uh, lots of different things, GMOs in there as well. But really, you're just selecting for yield lots of times. And you've got your maturity. And there's, some, there's a few quality attributes that you want for dent corn. But largely, you're just selecting for yield. And so you can select pretty hard. Whereas with popcorn, the expansion and the eatability uh, are such strong selection pressures that we put on um, mm -hmm. popcorn as, as breeders uh, that we can't make those giant uh, leaps and bounds to the same extent that you've seen in dent corn over the years. And so quality currently, yeah, the quality over quantity. I mean, if we're in the yield game, we'll just basically breed some dent corn, right? But, but then you, you lose your whole quality aspect of popcorn. I would say one large change that we have seen is that um, even, even 10, 20 years ago, uh, you'd be driving down a field and you can point out which one is popcorn because it's all on the ground at harvest time. It's all fallen over. The, the agronomics were so bad uh, just in the recent history. But I would say over the last five to 10 years, we've made some really great strides. And we, we have a, a couple varieties that rival the, the current dent corn uh, varieties and its standability, standing up, to, standing up to wind pressure just as well. Um, now, I'm not going to say that all popcorn lines are like that, but we have a few. And we're, we're generally making much better strides as far as agronomics go. Uh, so that that would be one thing that I, I feel like we've been able to make some progress over here recently is uh, just the, the agronomics and ability for it to stand up through the end of the season. So Brad, in, in our house, you know, to kind of switch gears here a little bit, my wife and I have an ongoing dispute and I don't even know which one I like, but I like the popcorn with the bigger kernels. I think it's, I think maybe it's, it's white or yellow. I'm, I'm not sure. And she likes one with smaller kernels. How many different kinds of popcorn are there? <laughs> Um, well, it depends on how you classify it, right? There are a lot of different types out there. I would generally say uh, you have your white and your yellow. That's one distinguishing uh, characteristic. Now, generally the white are going to be smaller kernels from what we've seen. 
So your, your wife is probably, she's wanting the, the smaller kernels. That's probably going to be more the white, uh, the white okay, varieties. Yep. Now, there, now there are yellow varieties that do have small kernels, but if you're looking at large kernels, that's probably going to be yellow. And then another distinguishing type is that you have your butterfly versus mushroom varieties. And so butterfly, that's going to be, it has those kind of wings that spread out. Uh, and that's going to be a lot of what you eat for uh, microwave, uh, for a lot of your movie theaters and uh, going to ballparks, that sort of thing. And lots of times if you buy some grain to pop at home, those are also butterfly types. Uh, the mushroom, it looks more like a ball. And so those are going to be types that you cover in caramel, right? Or chocolate, something that you're, you're going to do from that standpoint. Part of that reasoning is that it's a little bit more of a sturdy uh, flake and it doesn't have those wings that are going to break off in the processing. And so if you used your butterfly type to make caramel corn, you're going to end up with lots of little chunks at the bottom of the bag uh, from all those broken off wings, if you will. So are there, are there flavor differences or is it more about how it feels in your mouth and, and the qualities like, you know, like you mentioned, being able to hold the caramel or whatever? Right. Uh, there, are, there are a little bit of flavor differences. Uh, it's, it's hard for the average person to uh, be able to distinguish a lot uh, of differences based on flavor. There are some. I would say texture is easier to pick out uh, for most people from one variety to the other. So um, we've talked about white to yellow and we've talked about mushroom to butterfly. Now within the butterfly yellow, which is by far the, the biggest market in the US and around the world, there's kind of a, a spectrum of, of higher expansion to lower expansion. And so uh, we, we do a test in popcorn that we take a set amount of grain by weight and, and we pop it. And we do this a very, very repeatable method uh, to compare all of our different hybrids that are coming through the pipeline. And say some of them are going to expand about 40 times. Some of them are going to expand about 50 times the size from when you, you had them before. And so the ones that expand higher are generally going to be a little bit more tender. And uh, movie theaters like to have the stuff that expands high because they buy uh, the grain in pounds and they sell it in volume. And so if you can buy the same number of of pounds of grain, but you sell a higher volume because it expands better, uh, then it's worth more to them. Does Weaver have taste testers? And if so, are you looking for volunteers? <laughs> so I'll, I'll be the first to volunteer. You can, you, I'll, uh, but if there's a second spot, I'll let you know. Now we, we do actually have, um, on, the, on the breeding side, we don't have a technical panel. Uh, we're a rather small group of folks, but we do work really closely with a lot of the, our, our customers and know that a number of them do have a group of, of scientists that, you know, they're, they're used to, to working with popcorn and they know the, the differences in, in mouthfeel and taste. Uh, like I said, lots of times it's that mouthfeel. It's how crunchy is it? Um, how tender is it? There's uh, lots of different <laughs> factors. They, they brought me in one time to, to do this with them. Uh, I was amazed with the number of different things and I thought, well, if this could be the full-time job, I, I would have it made. Um, but I, I had to go back to breeding. Apparently, I didn't pass the test. That's interesting because I was kind of wondering the same question, Preston, from a little bit different perspective. I used to work for a while in pepper breeding. And so we'd go, you know, in the field and we'd evaluate our, our lines and uh, we'd actually taste them, you know, the, the sweet peppers or the jalapenos and just get a feel for what they tasted like. And uh, obviously with popcorn, you can't do that. It's a little bit more involved than that. You have to harvest your plots and then bring them in and, and cook them, right? Mm-hmm. From a breeding perspective, it's really interesting because, like I said, you, you can't just select for yield. Even from an early stage, you also have to select for that, that quality aspect. 
And so in the breeding program, we have thousands of new lines every year uh, that we've created, thousands of new, uh, I should say, uh, hybrid crosses. Um, and we have to test all of them for, for yield, for expansion, for other quality characteristics. And we may only end up releasing one a year, uh, one or two new varieties, but we just have to start with thousands and thousands of varieties. But if you think of that over multiple replications, over multiple locations, because we've got to test how is this variety going to do in Indiana versus Ohio and Illinois and Nebraska. And then you have different stages of the experiment because it's not just a one-year test. You test this over multiple years. And so we, we actually end up popping tens of thousands of samples. And somebody has to be there to, to look over that. And so I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, will, not, I will say that I, I pack on winter weight a little bit more because I'm eating popcorn all day, <laughs> all day, every day. Probably not out of necessity. But uh, when, it, when I'm, my office is um, about 20 feet away from a popping room where we got three poppers going all day, every day for about four months, um, I, I tend to sneak over there periodically and uh, help myself. <laughs> yeah, nobody can resist that smell. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. Where is most of the popcorn grown here in the U.S.? Uh, is there like a sweet spot for popcorn production or is it spread across the, the Midwest here? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple sweet spots. So I would say a lot of the, the popcorn production is kind of greater Indiana and greater Nebraska. And so uh, Indiana and Nebraska are kind of go back and forth as the, the largest popcorn producing states. I think Indiana has slightly more acres and Nebraska has slightly more pounds. So either of them try to claim it. You get slightly better uh, yields in Nebraska. Um, and so. Uh, each of us try to claim that we're the biggest uh, popcorn uh, state, right? Um, it just depends on on how you figure it up. Uh, but then, but then a lot of that kind of flows over. So there's there's a number of producers in in central and and western uh, Iowa as far and also northeast Colorado and and, and you get some of the the other uh, states around there as well. Uh, but I'm just talking about the most production here. And then you got uh, kind of greater Indiana and that flows into uh, Illinois and Missouri, Ohio, and a little bit even into Michigan and. Um, down in Kentucky. So I, I, I kind of put it into those two general regions and it's about split somewhat 50-50, but the U.S. from what we understand is somewhere around 40% of the world market. Um, and so a lot of that popcorn is grown in those two general regions for the entire world. Wow. So since we're talking about producing popcorn and you had mentioned earlier combining, I assume popcorn is harvested with a combine like field corn is, or, or is it harvested on the ear? My understanding is it used to be harvested on the ear much more, uh, but with advances on, on better combines and, and our better understanding on when and how to harvest, the vast majority of acres now are all done by a combine and it'll shell it in the combine, uh, right? It's not picked on the ear anymore. Uh, that, that's something though that you have to be really careful. So a lot of times with dent corn, uh, you can start harvesting as soon as it's black layer and, and even if it's in your lower 30s or upper uh, 20s, um, is my understanding. I'm not, I'm not a dent, really a dent corn guy. Uh, but with popcorn, if, if you harvest it that high, you will hurt the outer portion, kind of that pericarp of, of the grain, um, and then it won't pop nearly as well. So we actually have to let it dry all the way down to 17 or under, ideally closer to uh, 16% moisture, and then, and then you can harvest it. So if you do it much, if you do it much higher than that, then you're going to damage that grain and you're not going to have uh, good quality, and then it's not worth uh, nearly uh, what it would be otherwise. We're recording this in December of 2020. We're in the middle of COVID world. All of the movie theaters are currently shut down. Has there been a decrease in demand for popcorn due to like all the movie theaters shut down or has demand still stayed pretty robust? 
So I've mentioned that there's kind of these different kinds of markets, right? Uh, whether it be pre-popped or microwave, movie theater, and you kind of do use different varieties because uh, the popping, the quality aspect is, is very consistent for a variety. So we, we grow, say, one variety, W2021, that it's really good in a couple of different markets, uh, but it's not necessarily a high expansion market. And so uh, mm-hmm. with, with COVID, you see people that have gone home and they've switched markets. So you have people that uh, instead of going to a movie theater or to a ball game, you're not getting the, uh, those markets have significantly decreased, but the at-home uh, popping and the microwave has really uh, increased. I, I don't know if it, it's quite increased enough to make the difference, uh, if you will, as far as the total pounds. Uh, I think maybe there might be a slight decrease. It's it's still hard to know th- uh, those numbers right now, right. but but we see that there has been a, a big shift. But that's it's been interesting that some people that are in one kind of market, but maybe not another, they're having to kind of switch things around a little bit. And some people are doing uh, well in the midst of COVID because they do all at home popping things. And some people are not doing as well because they, they focus their markets all on movie theaters. Um, so it, it depends on who you talk to, you're going to get a different answer in the popcorn market. I think that's uh, can be said of a lot of different industries is it hasn't necessarily increased or decreased overall. It's just shifted to some extent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zooming down into the the home gardener aspect of of popcorn, do you have any recommendations for uh, somebody who wants to try growing some popcorn in their backyard? Yeah, I mean, by all means, grab some uh, popcorn seed and grow it in your backyard. Um, Understand that you might um, have to still go to Walmart and pick up a pack and and harvest (laughs) if it doesn't work out well. That goes with any kind of gardening thing, though, I suppose. but yeah, no, if you, if you plant popcorn, don't, don't plant it all in one long row, right? Plant it kind of more in a, in a block or a, or a square. So um, popcorn along with dent corn, it, it, uh, the pollen comes from the, um, or the, the, the male part of the pollination happens, is coming from the tassel. And the female part of the plant is the, the, the silks. Each silk goes to a kernel. And so that pollen has to be able to pollinate and it's largely uh, wind pollination. Uh, you don't have bees that are making those pollinations for you in popcorn or, or corn in general. And so that pollen needs to be able to fall down. If you have it in one long row, uh, a lot of that, if you have a, if you, if you plant north to south and it, it blows westward or blows eastward, I guess, then all the, none of the pollen is going to land on the plants. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so you want to put it in kind of a block. Uh, to where it's going to be able to actually pollinate itself. And you can't just do uh, one or two plants. You kind of got to do a, a few more than that to be able to make it work. That would be my main suggestion. I also, <clears throat> I do have a, uh, a friend that tried growing some in his garden once. And uh, as it grew up a little bit before pollination happened, he noticed this weird thing on the top of the plant. He said, this is, this is funny looking. And he, he cut it off. I wouldn't suggest doing that to your plant. So uh, that's actually the tassel that's coming out of the top of the plant. <laughs> you kind of uh, need that. You, you kind of need that to be able to uh, make the pollination. And so you don't actually have to do anything with the pollination, but don't cut off the tassel on the top. Uh, so he ended up having to go to go to the store and buy his own produce at the end of the year. But uh, that's, that's why I say that. It's, a, it's, it's, it's funny. We talked earlier, Brad, about some of the issues, you know, where it's sterile when, when crossed with field corn or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Are there issues if you were to plant popcorn and sweet corn side by side and they were tasseling and pollinating at the same time? 
Sure. I would, I would tend to not want to plant those side by side. Uh, I'd be more worried about it on the uh, sweet corn side. If the, the popcorn is pollinating your sweet corn, um, it's not going to taste very well. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I would generally put a little bit of a border in between them. Um, I mean, you're not, it, it's just for, you're not going to get hurt. Right. Um, but uh, it's not going to be nearly as, as good tasting, I would say on, on either side. So I think, I think popcorn is probably going to be safe because it has that genetic sterility system. Uh, but the, the, the opposite, uh, it may disrupt your, your sweet corn. So um, I, I, I know you guys did a, a podcast. I'll do a little plug for you guys on sweet corn. Not <laughs> That's long great. ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, it seemed like um, that some of those uh, sugary genes that, that you have to have it, uh, you have to have it on both parents. And so if one parent is coming from popcorn, um, then it's going to mess up kind of that system. How long, Brad, from the home garden or from the store, and maybe it makes a difference, but how long can you store popcorn and still be able to pop it? How long will it keep? <laughs> It'll keep a while, as long as you keep it in the, the right conditions, right? So uh, like I said, it, it needs to be about that 14% moisture uh, to be able to pop well. If you don't have enough moisture in there, uh, then it can't build up enough pressure when you heat it uh, to be able to pop. And if you have too much moisture, uh, then it, it's going to be too soft and it can't really build up enough pressure uh, before it, it'll, it'll explode too early, right? Um, and you won't get a full pop and it won't be nearly as tender. It'll be kind of a half pop, if you will. But yeah, you, you can keep that on the, on the shelf if it's in a nice sealed container and you conditioned it down right uh, so that it's not too wet or anything and it's not going to grow mold then you can keep it uh, stored for, for quite a long time. You can do it for multiple years. Now, if, if you get it much longer than that, you might get a little bit of a reduction in, in expansion, but for the home popper, that's not going to be that big of a deal. I'm talking more raw kernels here. Now, when you, when you start adding in uh, microwave pouches with different kinds of butter and oil in them, uh, they have different kinds of lifespans that are going to be much shorter. Sure. Uh, just because that, that oil can go rancid after, after too long. So, <laughs> And that's not a good situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't like that. Uh, we appreciate you plugging our, our past episode there, Brad. And, and one thing we <laughs> talked about on that episode, Preston and I learned something new. Uh, we learned about baby corn, and we learned that that is, you know, generally popcorn. Uh, is that something that you guys produce, or do you know anything about the production in that market? I actually do not. I was surprised by that fact. I did not realize that. Okay. Uh, that's not something that, that we have done in our breeding program. Uh, it's a completely different market. So somebody that's going to be breeding for that is probably going to be someone that's also doing more vegetable crops. Sometimes popcorn gets thrown into the vegetable crop because there's not really a good category for it. But it's really a different kind of crop uh, because they're selecting not for its end product and how well it can pop, but for how well it can do in that early stage. And so Popcorn does have uh, that ability to put on multiple ears. And I think you guys talked about that in, in that podcast as well. And that's why they like that baby corn because it'll, it can put on eight or 10 even ears, but the varieties that we're growing in the field, uh, we really only want one or two ears on there. Uh, Cause if you get too many more than that, then the ears get too small and it's really hard for the combine to pick them off the stock. That's so, interesting. It's more, it's mm -hmm. more of a field corn system that you're using. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's fascinating. Brad, to kind of wrap things up, we always like to ask our guests what excites you about the future of, of your topic. So with popcorn, is there any predictions you have for the future of popcorn <laughs> or anything exciting and upcoming that uh, you would share with our audience? Yeah, well, one thing that 
I'm, I'm excited for people driving down the road to not be able to tell the difference between popcorn and uh, dent corn, <laughs> the, the agronomics getting better. And, and that's been a big jump over the last couple of years. And I think we'll continue to see some growth in that area. I think there are some, some good opportunities in, in technology. So popcorn is very uh, distinct and separate from dent corn, but there's a lot of new technologies. Um, I, I would say excluding uh, GMO technologies because of the, the specific market and the sterility system, it just doesn't make uh, real sense uh, for popcorn to go GMO. But there's a lot of other good uh, technologies when it comes to using markers and understanding popcorn better, really to advance it in, in new ways, uh, using new technology, not to change really uh, how the, the basic breeding is done, but to add another tool to a tool belt to be able to make great strides. If I knew what the next giant transition was going to be for popcorn, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd be, uh, I'd be uh, getting my uh, plan ready and, and getting ready to be rich here. So, um, no, nah, the uh, that uh, going forward, uh, we we have seen actually in the industry some transition lately uh, as people become more health conscious that a lot more people are, are wanting to pop at home and just doing their own, their own toppings. And maybe it's just a little, I like mine just popped in, in oil and the microwave and with a little bit of salt on it. Uh, but you see a lot of, uh, as people also want convenience, you see, you see the pre-popped industry uh, growing quite a bit. So I, I, I would see that that's a, an area that the, the industry is going uh, more and more to. I don't think we're going to get rid of the end, other industries by any means. Um, but I think that that's something that uh, we're going to see grow over the next few years. Have you ever tried skinny pop? I have. I love that stuff. <laughs> we, it's del it's delicious. Like yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, Brad, we really appreciate your time here. Uh, I think we had a great conversation about popcorn. Uh, it's really been a pleasure. Is there anything you would like to plug? I, we, we do have a, uh, our own website, weaverpopcornhybrids.com, and we are on LinkedIn. If you're interested in finding out some more information about us or our company, uh, you can go to those sources. Um, there's a sales email on there. You can uh, reach out to that and it'll, it'll contact me. If you want to find out any just more information about popcorn in general, there's a, a website called popcorn.org that has a lot of kind of like uh, fun tidbits and stuff that you can even do with, with kids. If you, if you have kids and you're looking for, especially at this time where uh, you're, you're maybe teaching a little bit at home or something like that, right? Uh, it can be a good resource, but uh, feel free to stop by our website and uh, learn a little bit more. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out and uh, this has been a lot of fun. I think I'm gonna have to check out popcorn.org right away here. <laughs> thanks a lot, Brad. <laughs> we'll be sure to link yeah. that in the show notes. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Yep, thank you guys. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the program hosts or their employer.